Tapes is supported by Horrified, the website that celebrates and champions British horror, covering films, television, books, fiction and more. You can visit Horrified at horrifiedmagazine.co.uk and find them on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at horrifiedmag. The Tapes is part of the Pod Dojo Network. Welcome to The Tapes, a podcast of the uncanny. And on this episode, I'm joined by Jess Goldie and Harry Pickup as we discuss 1968's M.R. James classic, Whistle and I'll Come to You. This is a tale of the supernatural. It's the work of a man who wrote ghost stories as a sideline. The author, M.R. James, was an archaeologist, medieval historian, and a great expert on the early history of the Bible. He was vice-chancellor at Cambridge University during the First World War and later became the provost of Eton, where he died in 1936. He's best known for his ghost stories, all of which have a peculiar atmosphere of cranky scholarship. The darkest of them is called Whistle and I'll Come to You. It's a story of solitude and terror, and it has a moral too. It hints at the dangers of intellectual pride and shows how a man's reason can be overthrown when he fails to acknowledge those forces inside himself which he simply cannot understand. Harry, in terms of this particular story or M.R. James or the, the ghost stories from Christmas, which obviously this kick-started, that, that kind of series and that tradition, do you have any kind of you know, a relationship with stories or the well, series? First of all, I've got to admit that my um, point of view on all this is without much knowledge of the actual original stories of M.R. James or anything like that. Um, but instead, my interest is purely through what's... Uh, what was televised, the the television adaptation. I had a friend at school who, both of us, we were into sort of our horrors and sort of sharing stories about things like Woman in Black and things like that, the uh, television adaptation. And then there was probably about three or four of us having a sleepover at his house when we were about 11 or 12. And he, uh, he dug out this video and it was one of those... I don't know if you can picture, there was really hard to find videos in a massive black box that you might find in the library. You'd never find yeah. the video shop. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, he sort of dug it out and said, you know, let's try this. It's something that he'd watched with his family, and he was like, let's see what you think. And I think I think a few of my other friends liked it, but me and the mate who got it out were just blown away by it, and I couldn't believe that there was something so haunting and dramatic in such in you know in only 40 minutes um and i'd never obviously at that age i'd never seen anything like it because growing up i I, you know i was into like slasher things and those kind of horrors but this went really closer to the woman in black the, the 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 quality of the film itself being uh being a factor in how scary it was so yeah i absolutely loved it and then him and I and uh, and a group of friends would start to quote it a lot around school and on you know like whenever we'd do residential trips with school we'd 
always talk about it and like mm, no, mm, no, 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 that would just be, <laughs> that would come out quite a lot, <laughs> and uh, and pretty much anything that you know he says in it became a quote or just behaving like him became habit. Um, it's kind of infectious the way he behaves in a in a strange way. But then you know when uh, probably our separate ways, and it wasn't until late uni I thought I, I've got to get my own copy of that. And I looked it up on the internet and there's nothing on... I, I can't remember what was about at the time. Maybe eBay was the main source of buying things. And there were video copies like that one and they were like 60, 70 pounds just for that on video. Mm. And I thought, right, I'm never going to get my hands on it. And obviously that adds to the intrigue as well, that it's this hard to find, hard to get your own hands on it. But I kept plugging away and eventually I, I found like, you know, an illegal... I'm afraid to say, like, an illegal, illegal download of it and just watched it by myself a few times on my computers, reliving it. And then I introduced it to a few uni friends. Mm. And, you know, some of them sniggered and weren't quite as keen on it as I was, sadly. But it stuck with me, and I've since introduced it to my brothers who like it for the same reasons that I do. And that led me on to the rest of the ghost stories. And I'm just kind of working my way through those. But it, I, the ghost stories for Christmas aren't a particular... Christmas tradition for me. I'd, I'd watch them at any time of the year, but reading about it, I love this tradition that's been set up of these Christmas stories coming out. And uh, it all started by watching it on video by a logbird when when I, a logburner when I was about eleven or twelve at my mate's house watching it. And from that point on, I've been obsessed with it. <laughs> Perfect, watching it by a logburner. I know, yeah, it's ideal. Yeah, it was well. It's quite a you know sophisticated piece of filmmaking, like you say that sort of. It's such a quiet piece, you know. Mm. Obviously, at the end, you have the payoff, but it, the sense of dread that builds—it's much more subtle than you know the kind of jump scares that oh, yeah. an eleven-year-old yeah. yeah. would be kind of yeah. like. This is my thing. Yeah. yeah. So we were having a glass of cognac. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think it was pretty much one of those where the parents will let you have the living room for like three or four hours. Um, how much can you squeeze in? And would probably watch something already, and then. In a complete different direction, let's try this, see how it goes down. And I think when we watched it, perhaps we were laughing a little bit to begin with at his mannerisms and all that. Yeah. Mm. But at the same time, really investing in it and scared by the end in a, in a way that I probably hadn't been scared before in my entire life. A, a new way of being scared. And also, at that age, we were sort of, as a group of friends, we, we liked to pretend that we were good like at debating and arguing and talking things through that's what we do in school we would like chats and fancy ourselves as being a little bit intellectual you know completely wrongly so it kind of spoke to us in that way in terms of mumbling your way all this nonsense and <laughs> and then hitting you over the head with a ghost story is is interesting yes how yeah. about you so i read I remember it really clearly. I was 11 and I got a copy of The Woman in Black from my uh, school library and absolutely devoured it. And that kind of started a love of ghost stories for me. I'm no, I don't like horror films, I would say. I don't really like horror as a genre. I don't like anything gruesome or anything kind of cruel, you know, like people being tortured and that kind of thing. I just I find it, I, I'm too easily disturbed by things like that. But, um, but yeah, I read, read The Woman in Black and then not long after got my first copy of M.R. James's ghost stories. So I was probably, I don't know, 12, 13 when I first read them and absolutely, again, absolutely loved them. And they are 
perfect for me in that they strike a nerve, almost like a, they tap into a kind of a, a almost primordial sort of fear. He, he, he just he just manages to hit hit that spot. I think that kind of spooky spot where it's where it is genuinely spooky and haunting and creepy, but also quite fun. It's a fun kind of being scared. Hmm. Um, I, I like that feeling of being like if, like fun spooked rather than terrified. And for me, that's what they. That's the spot that the, the M.R. James hits. There's a gentleness to them. Whilst yeah. they are really, you know, can be really, you know, quite disturbing. There's a, and, I, and so, obviously, I, it, it, this was a compendium of M.R. James stories. And Whistle and I'll Come stands out as... I mean, there, there, are, there are so many brilliant stories that he wrote, but, MR, but um, Whistle and I'll Come stands out as being particularly memorable because it's just so different as well. And because it's not really explicitly a ghost story is it like it's not really made clear what is it mm. what you know like he what what has come you know what what who is this who is coming we don't know you know you never you never know um you know it's just the, and this sense that, that he's kind of the you know the figure on the horizon it's just i just it's just it's just it's very good isn't it and it you know it, it, it reminds me of um, what's that? What's that horror film we watched? Quite recently? it follows. It to me is like an MRJ. It's like a homage to Whistle and I'll Come. Almost, it's kind of got that sort of similar, similar kind of, kind of vibe. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I watched, and then I didn't watch. I didn't know about Ghost Stories for Christmas until I was, um, well, until I met you. And I think it was probably our first Christmas together. We watched. Did we get a box set of them on DVD? Oh, I think it was a Saturday night, and the run up to Christmas. Um, BBC Four started to show That's the right. series. That's right. And it was the yeah. night oh, you were wow. working, and I watched it and I thought, this is amazing. This mm. is just, this is like written for me, you know. I felt like it had so much to say uh, and was kind of my kind of horror, the kind of, or rather, it's unsettling, mm. you know. Mm. It's, it's not kind mm. of, like you say, it's not explicitly a ghost story, but I was just kind of blown away, but also by the filmmaking, it felt, it felt incredibly modern. Um, and then I think we they, they, we saw them on the television, and then that's when we started to buy it on. on, on yeah, because it had only just set. come out yeah. on DVD when we yeah. when we got it, and, and then we just devoured them. We did, yeah. And then, um, and then yeah. it became a bit of a tradition for us of kind of every Christmas, run up to Christmas, we'd go through the. Yeah, I think when it gets to around around October time, when the nights start to draw in and the fires on. That's when you want your you, ghost Do you ever watch, do you watch them back to back or is it, what, do you dedicate a night to a ghost story? Um, you say a couple of Maybe, yeah, two stories, at the two tops. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and we get friends around, don't we? Like last year, yeah. we got math. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. For our listeners, is Harry's brother. <laughs> we got math round yeah. um, f- to watch to watch some, didn't yeah. we? Because, and then bless him, he had to walk home past a graveyard. <laughs> And you can buy, yeah, he, he, he reported back, he was like, you know, Harry would have loved it, you know, I went round to Chris and Jess's, and he was explaining that you also have sherry with it, and it's a whole oh, thing, yeah. is that is that right? <laughs> yeah, it became, yeah, again, yeah. it was just kind of, because because obviously you read about the tradition, you know, M.R. James, originally these were stories he told, you know, students. students, yeah. when he was the, the, the I think he was, well, well, I don't know if he was the provost at the time, but when he was teaching at Eton, he would. They would have the chit chat club, and they would sit every you know, wow. towards Christmas. They would sit in the common room, and they'd all get a glass of sherry. And he would just rattle off these, these yeah. stories. And then later on, he decided to actually, you know, write them down. Mm. Um, and again, it sort of ticks. At, you know, the, the, there's and obviously in the introdu- introduction to this 
this particular one where he talks about intellectual pride and obviously him being an academic him you mm. know d dealing with you know studying kind of a, a sort of a, a theological kind of side to his kind of research and his so there's always church there's always mm. you know the, the sense of history in everything and i think that's what makes it sort of feel timeless you know that that, that he deals with um like I say, just the, 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 the ghosts aren't necessarily real things. It's to do yeah. just the past and how the mm. past can, you can't escape the past or, you know, in some of the other stories, you know, oh, forever digging things up and then that's <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. You know, it's the worst that you can't put yeah. it back down. You know, if <laughs> anyone's ever seen any of these, you don't, you know, if you've come across anything worth anything in the ground. A warning would, to the yeah, curious. Yeah, they are yeah. all warning to the curious. Yeah. And, and, and again, you know, and, like in that, you still don't escape. You know, mm. there's, there, at times he is quite, um, mm. you know, mm. pretty ruthless. In his yeah. Just it's come back to me now that you've reminded me and what you said about obviously him reading the stories, and how I said it was when we were about. It must have been twelve or something. We, as lads at schools, we had this teacher, Doctor Holland, our English teacher, who brought books to life in a way that we'd never had before. And well, sorry, I'm, I'll speak for myself in a way that I never experienced before, where all the subtleties were brought out, and you'd spend um, a whole lesson examining a page and delving into character and debating it and talking about it, and it was a, a new skill that was coming to me at that age. And I remember we'd, we'd really like dug deep into Silas Marner uh, by George Eliot, had so many great conversations and written so many great essays on it that we were. As a group of lads, we were really passionate about that kind of stuff, that kind of uh, those kind of ideas. And in Silas Marnie, you've got this guy again who's sort of built, isolating himself and uh, creating these ideas in his head that he's becoming a prisoner in his own kind of way. And then, yeah, I think it must have been that same a similar academic year that we watched this. Was not come to just kind of it, I was able to use all the skills that I've been learning in English at schools yeah. Yeah. to apply them to a forty-minute film. And I thought, wow, this is yeah. these are new skills that I'm discovering. Yes, yeah. the groundwork had been laid. Yeah, yeah, almost. I yeah, because it that. is young, I think, to appreciate yeah. this because we've we've lent this film to friends of ours, adults, grown adults, people older than us, and the, and the response has been very mixed. Some people mm. are like, eh. and other people are just like, oh, it's just a bit weird. You know, really dismissive of it. It's just a bit weird, and and you think it just goes over people's heads. I think sometimes because it yeah. because and because the performance is um, mm. quite broad. Well, well it, no, I, I I I love it. I find it. I find him a very endearing do. character. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but I think people find it silly almost. Yeah, right? so, yeah. But yeah. you know, and it, and that just kind of throws them out. Out of it in a way, and the scary stuff isn't typically scary. Like my, I was watching it no. the other day, and my it, my wife wasn't interested. It was only the background, and she's like, she doesn't like horror films, and she was a bit nervous about me watching it. And they'd been gone, and it was over with without her knowing that it finished. She hadn't seen any scary bits or anything like that in the background. Yeah. It's it doesn't jump out at you in any way. No, no, that's why it's my kind of that's why it's my kind of horror film. This was part of the Omnibus series of the BBC, which is actually a, a factual series. It's the first drama that they ever did. I'm not too sure if they did much after that, which is why you do have that kind of narration, the opening narration, which is by uh, Jonathan Miller himself, mm. where, where he doesn't talk about, it, you know, 
what is it, a tale of cranky scholarship, <laughs> solitude, intellectual <laughs> pride. For me, I think I'd been watching a few kind of um, like British New Wave stuff during like the 60s, and it kind of just it kind of clicked for me where I thought that just the way it's shot, the the use of sound is very kind of modern. You know, oh. the fact that there's no music in it at all. Yeah. Mm. The 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 shots kind of. The scenes last a bit longer. Like the opening shot, obviously it's him on, you know, the the, the uh, professor parking on on the beach. You see a little bit, a little bit of a montage, and then it cuts to the the uh, the hotel, uh, where the his hotel room. Where only watching this for like the twelfth time <laughs> did I realise that it opens with the maids making the bed. Yes, in the bed, and it hadn't. Hand clip. Yeah, same. That same. it's like a foreboding kind of. Absolutely, you know, I haven't realised until. Yeah, yeah. Mm. and I thought again, and, and just watching these people just go about about their kind of work very efficiently, it kind of just grabs you in a kind of and I, like the, the best kind of filmmaking is always about, you know, showing people, you know, and just just it just kind of grips you from the opening mm. shot of, of this is something that demands my attention. Yeah, you know, what's happening here? There's, it's something's not quite right already. Why am I watching someone, some maids make? Yeah, I think every guest in that hotel, every person in that hotel, you're interested in, aren't you? I think. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'd say. Not, not quite like Faulty Towers, but it had that. <laughs> but it has a real coziness as well. That yeah. hotel, yes. doesn't it? And a real sense of safety, actually, which I think is quite cleverly set up. It feels. Yes, I agree. Um, yeah, yeah like very welcoming. I think. Yeah. And, yeah. When he first arrives, you know, obviously you, you see the scene again. This was this was added. Uh, this was isn't in the the, the the original story of seeing him arrive at the station, then get this kind mm. of you know the taxi to there. Anybody there? Anybody there? But just the, the way he enters the hotel, or rather the inn, and, and is kind of like. Is there anybody there? And then that, why is he yeah. a porter? Or Quite grumpy. Just stand like there. Alfred Hitchcock yeah. kind of guy. Yeah. 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 at him and you're like, is he a guest or is he actually staffed? There's a moment where he's a little yeah. bit unsure and then he kind of comes over and goes, sign the book, you know, kind of thing. You sign the registry? Oh, yes, 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 of course. Coming for the golf, I suppose. No, no, I, I'm afraid I don't play golf. Oh. Very much. <laughs> but then Martin doesn't just... question it, so you kind of yeah. even if they've got their own language here that you don't yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. don't need to question it. Yeah. And, yeah. He, and it's just and he obviously asks him that you know this is you know it's a and in the book in the story it's you know this is a golfing kind of resort so you know that that Professor Parkin's gone there because his friends are encouraging him to to to, to, to get into golf, but. I think in this, he's very dismissive. Mm. Doesn't he ask you, like, are you here for the golf? So, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's not for me. Which Don't play golf very much. <laughs> no, yes, yes. That's right. <laughs> in the story, like, uh, uh, he makes a joke about the, the, him and the colonel are sat you know, at dinner talking about And he basically puts in, in uh, brackets, you know, um, uh, the reader can imagine, you know, they're talking some sort of basically they're talking about golf. You you fill in the blanks. I, almost like I'm not writing this. I'm not I have no interest right. in golf, but the <laughs> characters are talking about it, and it's a great kind of little. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then yeah, it's just kind of and the way he's introduced. You know, already you know, 
obviously arriving and there's, when he arrives there's no one really there is there apart from the, the, the porter or the member of staff he gets he gets shown around this is the really great shot which actually reminded me of um Hitchcock psycho there's a, there's a bit where as they're coming up the stairs like the, the camera is shooting through the banister and again it kind of ha makes it it's just a strange camera angle it's just again to make you feel a bit uneasy and kind of you know what's what, what's he saying there uh, and like you said there's no music for any of this there's no kind of welcome to the hotel music or a hotel theme no. like that he, <laughs> no. he actually fills the silences with his like his humming mm. and his mumbling mm. yeah, mm. yeah. Humming. yeah 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 <laughs> He's yeah. humming and the porter's like just grumbling. Yeah, the porter grumbles. Yeah. 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 yeah, it's like pingu kind of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also, you, you know, the porter's kind of struggling with this heavy bag, and when he gets to the hotel, it gets it actually into the room. You realise it's just full of books. Yes. <laughs> Uh, dinner and eight, uh, uh, at eight o'clock, you know, yes, thank you. Again, it's just such a, uh, almost like a mundane way of starting a ghost story or anything. Yes, and you've only got 40 minutes as well. So. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, and he, just, he yeah. really does take his time in terms of setting it up and there's, there's probably more build-up than there is in the original story. I don't know. Like, yeah. I don't know if that's to do with... Well, you see him being, like, fastidious, don't you, about where he's going to put put things in the room and, you know, it's kind of... And I think... But I think they're really telling about who he is, who the professor yeah. is, aren't they? Those little those little quirks of, of his. Mm. Um, that he is a... He likes things how he likes them, doesn't he? Yeah. He's, like, his own narrator. Mm. Oh, just, you know... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> whatever yeah. he does, mm. you know, he has to say... <laughs> and one things a boy can do... <laughs> is, yeah. is, is it is it because he's just his head is so full? That's that, what I think. This yeah. that he, <clears throat> that's, or that he's is he worried about silence? Is that something that makes him feel a little uncomfortable? That he's why he's humming and why he's. Hmm. I think I, I think when I sort of first watched it, I do think that it's just just there's so much going on in his head that maybe he's spilling out, or maybe he's just so unaware of everything around him. Is so much going on in his own personal space that the idea of thinking and talking out loud isn't a problem. Yeah. Um, yeah. And whether he's humming or mumbling or stretching out sentences just with two extra words and then another extra word and then another extra word, just, just there is that. But then you're right. I, I think to some extent maybe he is filling the gaps, filling the silences because um, mm. he gets probably perhaps he gets uncomfortable, you know, without people talking to him or him being able to chat to someone, hmm. he's got to kind of fill that sound with some kind of sound bite or something. And even even his claps are gorgeous, aren't they? They're just where he just he'll just <laughs> put his hands together like that. <laughs> he does fill any silence. It'd be pretty yeah. irritating yeah. to live with, wouldn't it? He would. <laughs> yeah. He would. Yeah, and Michael Horton's just just perfect. World class. Yeah. I mean, he's such a lovely maybe a different actor he maybe wouldn't have been as like the character was young in the book wasn't he yeah yeah, yeah, he's, he yeah. and it's yeah. kind of he just he just has a even though he is kind of you, you imagine he is slightly irritating and you could you know it would be up the wrong way you know you ask him a question you go hmm question you know he'd repeat <laughs> it and then like well, you're like, oh, like when he gets asked he says doesn't the maid it says, like, turn down the bed, sir. And he's like, yeah. turn down the bed. And he kind of stands <laughs> at the stairs. Like, yeah. And you watch it, it's like, turn down 
Yeah. Right, okay. Do you believe in ghosts, Professor? Ghosts? That's rather a sticky one, isn't it? I'm not quite certain what you mean. I mean, I'm never quite certain what I'm being invited to believe when anybody asks me a question like that. I think the character in the book is 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 much more arrogant as well, right. and much more kind of he's mm. kind of quite cocksure, isn't he? And he's yeah. he's in and and in the book, right at the beginning of the story, he's asked about his opinions on the supernatural, which he kind of touches yeah. on in the, the in the drama yeah. station, doesn't it, with the colonel? But this is in his college, he's asked, and he's extremely dismissive of anything supernatural at all. Right. Um, so he's quite, I think he's quite a different character, and I think in a good way because of this character that's created for. For this film, yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah. He's more vulnerable, isn't he? This one, yeah. and like yeah. he he seems lonely. You know, there's a like going down to eat. You feel sorry for him when he's going down yes. to eat. And, 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 yeah. yeah, and I yeah. feel that he is conscious. Then I feel that he yes. is aware of, yeah. of being on his own, and that and that then the humming and the muttering and the mumbling is is um, is to keep himself company. It, it, it is awkward, isn't it? We've all, I mean, maybe we haven't. I've eaten on my own in restaurants, yeah. and you do feel yeah really sheepish. <laughs> Yeah, you know, even if you're hotels on your own and going down to breakfast, or yeah, you know, and, and everyone looks up as you enter. Everyone stops eating and looks at him, don't they? And yeah. there's a silence falls as he comes it, in, and you know, it's it's yeah. like obviously I know it's a hotel, but there are things in it that make you think it's a care home for him in some ways. It's like um, <laughs> yeah, obviously that's how hotels were back then, but just the idea of them running a bath for him and yeah. things like that—it just feels like he's being cared for, and yes, he's not actually. In, you know, someone's in control of his stay, kind of, and we're watching him adjust to a new place, a bit like a, a, an older person might adjust to a care home. Yeah. Mm. And again, like the, the fact that, that, that Miller takes the time to have, you know, a couple of minutes watching someone run a bath. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it feels yeah. like, is, he, is it just to build it up or is he kind of, interested, you know, trying to set the period where people, that was what was expected of you. Yeah. You know, that you'd go to a hotel kind of B&B type thing and, mm. and, and people, you know, the maids would run you a bath and knock yeah. on your door to tell, tell you when it's ready. But it also has this sort of, again, that you're, you're very much made a word that you're observing mm. you know, this world because the shot just lasts a little bit longer than normal and it kind of just has a slightly mm. off yeah. feel to it. But it, for me, it also it also adds to creating that sort of false sense of security because he is being looked after. Mm. Um, and you think, oh, this is nice. I'd like to go to that hotel and have a bath drawn for me, please. Yeah. Um, and my bed turned down. And it feels there's a cosiness there. I know what you mean about the, the way it's shot. It is all, it's slightly, slightly off. But I do think it it creates a sort of, let's say, a false sense of safety and security in this hotel. Yeah, yeah, because um, he becomes very vulnerable. Because like when when the, like the, the after breakfast, he has his grapefruit and haddock. Oh, so it's just, it's just, oh is it haddock, not kippers? But it's just yeah, perfect. I think a little haddock yeah. wouldn't go miss. A little yeah. haddock, that's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and then. Yeah, and then it j- jumps to the beach, and there's that shot where Horden actually jumps over the camera, and he kind of oh, lands. Yes, ju- on the yes. sand dune. This is in front of the camera. It's just that really grabs you. And there's there's a few things like that that, for many reasons, you think he's this old vulnerable person who's mumbling and being looked after. But then he has like these, 
youthful springs in his step yes. occasionally. Mm. There's certain actions he does that are quite youthful and fast. Mm. And it's like he's almost still got that in him, that youthful side, mm. but it's deteriorating. He's more now vulnerable than youthful, but there's still that bit of youth in him. Mm. And, you know, when he's like walking with his stick and spinning it around and things like yeah. that. Yeah. There's just something where you see an element of his youth, but by, by showing that, it makes you realise that he's not young anymore in a, in a strange way. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and uh, maybe that he just needs a needs a holiday that he's just sort of yeah got so kind of swamped in academia yeah. and what's expected yeah. of him that when no one's looking, he has a bit more you know he has a yeah. little bit more fun and, and a bit more life to him. And that he's around people. You think you get the impression that he probably mm. spends a lot of his time on yeah. his own. Or yeah. I, I sort of thought that, and that they say he's, he is quite lonely. Yeah. And actually, just by being in that hotel where there are loads of people about, and you know he's got the colonel to mumble to and you know that that, that kind of invigorates him maybe mm. a little yeah. no in the story he's 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 he has it when he's in cambridge and he's like, you know, when he tells everyone he's going off for this 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 hot week's holiday of golfing he has uh, someone sort of threatens oh I'll, I'll come out and see you you know because he mentions in it that he's got his room is double bedded and he can't remove the other bed because mm. you don't have room to store it so his friends are like, oh, well, I'll join you, I'll join you. And he's kind of like... Please don't. don't want me to join. <laughs> he tries to think of an excuse. But he also said... And then he gets asked to look at this, um, like, night that, that's Templar graveyard. Ruin, isn't it? Yeah, yeah so where there was, a, there was a church. what it is yeah. in, in the book, rather than just... It's just a graveyard that's obviously eroding into the sea, mm. isn't it, when he, when he comes across the grave. And he... Um, he yeah, he, he specifically the, looks for it in the book. Yeah, yeah. And in this, he obviously finds the the the, the item with his finder's keepers. Mm. Uh, Give it up a bow. Yeah, gonna regret that. Harry, you literally know this script back to front. Yeah, That's yeah, incredible. It would, well, it'd be things like you know when you're in class, like can I borrow your ruler? Like thanks. Give a dog a bone. <laughs> you, it's just things that be under your breath constantly. It's all the mumbling that we now have permission to do. <laughs> We'd seen someone carry mumblings that are character trait, and it was it was glorious. It, it was a great experience as kids. In my head, the figure only appears after he's blown the whistle, but it actually appears once he's once he's got it, hasn't it? So he picks it up, puts it in his pocket, and when he jumps down onto the beach, yeah, the figure is there. And in my head, it was always it only arrived after he sort of blows into it. But mm. I was I was I was again, it's like how you remember things, but yeah, just that set like you, you know the lone figure. You know, across the vast yeah. expanse of mm. you know, there's nothing. Mm. For, and in the book, he talks about how he has has the the the, the movement of running, but doesn't seem to be getting any closer. Which mm. oh, is that is who's had a nightmare where you've tr tried to run and you can't get yeah. further away, or you know, mm. every time you turn, you know, they're either the same distance or they're getting closer. No matter what, what do you think about the setting, setting with it being like seaside? Do you find that an eerie setting, or do you think do you think that's quite a surprising setting for a ghost story? I think in this context, it's eerie, isn't it? Yeah. The seaside sea. and the seaside. It's not Blackpool. No, it's all sand dunes, isn't it? So it's kind of... 
you don't know what. And it's deserted, isn't it? Yeah. It's off-season. It's that link to the elderly kind of retiring as well. Mm. That mm. Is, it's close to sort of facing death, if you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah. The, at the sea. The themes, yeah. 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 And off-season, any kind of holiday oh. resorts off-season are yeah. in- inherently quite eerie, aren't they? Yeah. Like, don't look now. That's, that's one of the main things that's scary about don't look now for me is that it's off-season. It's not... Everything that would be vibrant and lively mm. is gone. Mm. And it's just a really desolate, quiet place that you've come to kind of dwell and spend <laughs> in your own company. And that's kind of when things go wrong, isn't it? He goes back to his yeah. You go, you go back to the the, the hotel. And he's actually had. He's just. I think he's just retired from dinner, isn't he? And he's. And he he's either, it, he's like he? sheepishly kind of hanging around the the hallway, and then he mm. remembers when he goes to his room. He's he's got it in his dirty. pocket. Dirty. Very dirty. Very dirty. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, obviously, clear, cleans it all out, and yeah, uh, it's lovely. And then does the rubbing, which is, again is just classic. Yes. So. And then obviously realize, and then obviously does his reads. He's obviously knows Latin. Yeah. He's an academic. Do you want me to read you it in Latin? I don't Ooh. pronounce it properly. Do it. It says, I, I've, I've never done Latin, so I apologise for my <laughs> pronunciation. It says, qui est isti, qui venit. I don't know if they pronounce the T on the end. Mm. Qui, uh, do you, did you do Latin, Harry? Uh, for a year. Yeah, qui yeah, they made it for a year. You're getting a real image of my uh, school life here. We are, it sounds delightful. Yeah. <laughs> And then, uh, obviously, um, he does what you're hoping he won't do, yeah, then obviously blows the whistle. Stories described as more, it looks like a dog whistle. Mm. Um, who knows what the, what's going to Well, you certainly don't expect what happens to happen, though, do you? I mean, and, he, and nobody would, to be fair. When he blows it, he does that call him to then think about that silhouette? It reminds him of that silhouette, but I wasn't yeah. under the impression he'd seen it. There's some kind of link being made between the two people now, isn't there? The whistle's kind of linked him and this figure, creating yeah. a, a bond between them in some way. Yeah. Yeah. In 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 the book, he he, he um, you know, in the story, once he once he blows the whistle, he this like image appears in his head of the lone figure on the beach, and then he, and then there's a the gust of wind, and he blows out the candles, and he's trying, and then he, he just he starts to howl, and he's trying to close the window. Mm. And he find, he, find, he he just he um. He basically describes it as he feels like someone like a burglar has tried to get in the window. It's a sturdy wow. burglar who's trying, and he cannot physically close the door, wow. the window. 
Um, and then obviously he does. Um, but yeah, the wind in this. But it's in by anything, then. It? It's already in the room. Too late. Wow. Sorry, Harry. No, just saying the wind does feature slightly, but not to that extent in the in the yeah. in the film. Yeah, it's more like when later on, isn't it? When he's at night, you hear like the slight whistling. Yeah, I mean anything, everything um, bad seems to happen at night. He can be as confident as he likes in the daytime, and it, but it, that kind of appeals to all of us, isn't it? You know. Yeah. None of us are scared when it's daytime. We're confident going to our work and conversing with people. But then at, at nighttime, when you're on your own in your bed, your mind can go absolutely wild and crazy. And you yeah. This guy who's already was sort of saying he's a bit vulnerable, for him yeah. to wake up in the night with his disheveled hair, he, 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 he is so vulnerable in the night, isn't he? Yeah. Sitting up in his bed. It is the best portrayal of that because everyone can associate with that no matter what yes. it, what it is whether you're you've heard a noise or you know the shadow of your yeah. dressing gown on your door <laughs> you know, that, yeah. that that look that how like you say he's her slightly kind of up at one side and he sort of sits there in his pajamas yeah just looking incredibly worried hopeless, doesn't he it helps yeah and it is it, and you and for him like you say, when you're younger, you think, oh, when you get older, you're not young. You're not, you never get scared of the dark. You're much yeah. more kind of, you don't, you don't worry about those things. And you don't have messy hair. <laughs> <laughs> who is this who is coming? Portrayal of, 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 of pure... It's not, not, it's not hard. It just, he's so unsettled by it. He knows that something's sort of... He can't put his finger on it. There's, like, there's just... Yeah. The wind yeah. is enough and making him think, what is this? Yeah. And obviously the story is all about, you can't, you know, some things you can't rationally deal with. Yeah. Uh, and that's, for me, is the scariest part of the, yeah. the story, is you can't go, I can, I can explain that away. Well, yeah. actually, but actually, you, you know, we've all been frightened in the night for no reason at all. You know, you know mm. and, and, actually, and initially, until, until you kind of, you know, the kind of climax of the story... He's just a, a, a bit windy, and he's yeah. and he's having some quite disturbing dreams, isn't it? You know, and and that could happen to anybody. You know, you can you, say we've all yeah, you can felt that, haven't it's we? It's funny, isn't it? Because you can watch a horror film and then be fine watching it. It's only when you get to bed that you've you've got to face what you've seen and face those images that you've seen in the film. And and then there are some times when I've done it where months after a horror film and I've not been scared by it. But then I think about it just at night, even though it might be months after, and all of a sudden that that film, the power of that film, the scariness of it, comes to life, even though it's months after, just because it's at night and because you're in bed alone, and you know yeah. sometimes if it's when you're a, a kid, you're sleeping by yourself. But even when you know I'm asleep and my wife, she's fast asleep beside me, but I wake up. I just got to sit up. I'm, I'm certainly not going to wake her up and say, "I'm scared." I'm scared. <laughs> you've just got you've just, at night. You've yeah. just got to sit there and face it by yourself, haven't you? It is literally the, the loneliest time, isn't it? Like you say, whether you're in the house with other people, if they're fast asleep and you're awake, yeah, mm. it just feels like you're the only person around mm. in the world, kind of thing. It's just it's just you. And and he is and he and he is already disturbed from the experience of the figure on the beach, yeah. isn't he? I know like and you've experienced that, haven't you? Like when you I think when you're if you're somewhere that feels quite bleak and desolate and you see a silhouette you know, oh. of, of what looks like a figure in the distance. You've had experience, haven't you? You fell running. You know, Chris runs up on the yeah. moors around. Wow. And you've been out at sort of 
sort of dusk, haven't you? And and seen Where? what you've taken to be a figure in the yeah. distance, and it's kind of caused you to feel a bit alarmed. This absolutely taps into that the purest fear that I have, which is, it's not, am I going to be harmed? It's if I look up and I see something and, you know, and then I can't explain it, that worries me more mm. because it just, it completely, my, like, my rational brain can't do it. And wasn't there once a post that had like some, some <laughs> fabric flapping on it? Oh, that fabric bag, And it looked like someone was waving at me and uh, because I, I wear glasses. But when I'm running, I don't. I, it was just really out of focus, and I, I thought someone was waving at me. As I got closer, I know I was a bit like, oh, and oh, it wasn't moving. Hurt it was, yeah. you have to get a lot of walkers around there. Mm. And as I got closer, I was like, oh no, it's not. But there's that. Obviously, there's scenes, like, yeah, with in fabric. Film, yeah. where you get the, the flapping fabric on the, the the wooden frame. That's why you know this is the, the perfect ghost story, you know, unsettling tale for me because it absolutely taps into those things that I fear the most, which is seeing something I can't explain. Yeah, there's no there's no aggression suggested by this figure or this spectacle. No. And I know there's later this part where he's running from it. But that's not because this whatever it is seems to intend to harm him in any way. It's mm. perhaps just him running from the fear, yeah. trying to escape mm. it. Yeah, natural. Never any suggestion that he's that he's gonna get hurt, I don't no. think. No. And at the end, yeah, and at the end in in, in the story, the the, the colonel it's, it sort of suggests that. I said, well, what's the worst that could have happened? Mm. You know, it, you know, it, it's only the only reason for it is fear, is to frighten him. It's not gonna, it's not gonna hurt it. How's it gonna, you know, what's it gonna hurt? It's, it's <laughs> you know, it's a cheat, isn't it? Essentially, it's yeah. there to unsettle him and to, mm. I don't know, be a warning. Have you have you ever heard the term of about whistling for the wind? Do you do you know? I've never know. I've never heard that phrase. I I don't think is it is it in the well? It's it's in the book in the story, but I don't know that it's in. I don't think it's in the program where the wind the wind you know he blows the whistle and the wind whips up and the colonel says to him and I think it's the following morning, isn't it? He says, you know, gosh, it was ever so windy last night. You know, if I didn't know better, I'd say someone had been whistling for it. Oh, right. And I just wondered if that was a, a phrase that you were familiar with, Harry. It's no, not something no. I've ever heard no, no, of, no. of whistling for the wind. What, what? He, mentions, he mentions it's, it's, it's something he's heard in, I think he says, I've made a note, is it Denmark, Norway, and in some areas of Yorkshire, it's a phrase. Oh, right. Mm. That you whistle for the wind, um, which again is quite, quite unsettling. But, uh, yeah, it is unsettling. But why, why is it unsettling? You whistle for why, the wind? But why is, is it unsettling? to do with... Mm. I, don't know, I guess or sailing if it's sailing in... in Norway, yeah. Yorkshire. Don't have that many... It's not no. a concept that would get used in supposed horror films these days either, is it? You know, no. That no. You'd wake up the, the wind. And, and again, sort of folk horror, British kind of horror does tap into that because the folk horror is unsettling tales. Obviously, some more explicit than others, but it's always about the landscape. Yeah. You know, mm. it's always about you know the, 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 how. The woods can be scary, or well, just the flat land can be. Like you said, Jess, the hotel feels like a safe place, really. Mm. And but it's only by wandering that he comes into contact with this this mm. idea of not being safe by mm. sort of leaving the boundaries and going into that graveyard away from safety. Mm. And I suppose that's a bit, yeah. Like you say, that is a theme in sort of horror films. You know, you leave the safe zone and. You disturb something and you bring it back to your 
mm. your home, or in this case, he brings it to the hotel. He's oh, he's awoken something, hasn't he? Kind of mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. by drifting too far, and he, that might be in the way that he's walked too far, but it might also be kind of a metaphor for how he's thinking. He's drifted too far. He's he's delved into something that he can't explain, mm-hmm. and now it's coming in and closing in on him. To Michael Horton's <laughs> mumbling. So the, the next scene is where um, obviously has that really unsettled night where he looks genuinely worried, <laughs> um, and then you have the, the breakfast where he sat with the Colonel, Colonel, who starts asking him all sorts of questions. Yeah. The Colonel is very intrigued by him, mm. I think, isn't he? As he has yes. his breakfast, and when he asks him about whether he believes in ghosts. And he starts going on about like what's um, what am I actually being asked to believe? Yeah, <laughs> he goes on to this the go as well eating like ice cream as well. It's he's very pleased with himself because again it, I yeah. feel that he's he's now being engaged in something that he can just be rational about and, and just mm. picks it apart, doesn't he? Well, it's like being asked does something something about a train. Died by train or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't remember the exact yeah. quote, but it is, it, it's just we. He just picks it apart and is. You think, is he all right? Is he? You know, is yeah, he? Is he, so, is he, is he full? He survived, isn't it? Like he survived the train, right? But yes, yes. Survival right. of the human personality. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I was just gonna say, even when the colonel asks him this question, it's not a straightforward conversation. I've written down, you know, how he responds. He says. The colonel asked him the question, you know, about ghosts or something. Yeah. Oh, what do you believe in? Or can, I can't remember, but he <laughs> responds like, yeah, it has the grammatical appearance of a real question, <laughs> but does it mean anything? <laughs> like, yeah. just answer the question. Yeah, <laughs> just, yeah, yeah. Just stop picking everything apart to its finest detail. But actually, you know, he's he's so pleased with himself, isn't he? With this kind of and it yeah. and it is kind of I, I, very proud. It is like it's pseudo intellectualism, isn't yes. it? That that like it's like that postmodern deconstructing there are more everything things in philosophy. And, yeah, yeah. He just reverses and, and, and everything. And it, but but, yeah. but when faced with the reality exactly. of what's happening, how do you explain that one? You, you know, he can't waffle his way out of it, can he? Or bluff his way out of it, which is what he does. At, 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 Talking to the colonel, I think. Yeah, and then he obviously he goes he goes out for another walk, and I look I, also there's something really enjoyable about about watching him just sort of poodle about, and he's got his picnic, and he's yeah. got his book. He's having a great time, well. isn't he? Yeah, and yeah, he looks great. In his, yeah, yeah. Uh, in his tweed and, and yeah. brogues, and you know, gets to sit on the on the coast and read a <laughs> read a book, and you know, cuts the apple. It's gorgeous. Yeah. And then he has, he, has, sorry, he thinks he thinks back to his what he said at the breakfast table or at the table about you know all that conversation he's had with the colonel. He he like plays it back in his head, and the audio plays the clip about there's more things in heaven and earth than your philosophy. Yeah. And he has a little little smile to himself, <laughs> remembering yeah. what he'd said. He's so proud. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. One thing that I, I had, I was. In the in the story, because in in the story, he spends an awful lot of time with the colonel golfing. But there's there's a bit where uh, when they're coming back 
from the golf as, a, as they're approaching the, the inn that they're staying at, or rather the hotel, this like distressed little boy runs into them. Yeah. Who's really upset and crying? He's, 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 I assume he's sort of crying, and they try and uh, try and get out. What, what, you know, what's what's what, what's wrong with you? Uh, and it turns out the the boy was playing with his friends at the front of the inn, and when he looked up at this bedroom window, there was a figure, this white figure, mm. uh, and obviously that scared him. And, and obviously they go they go to investigate, and they're parking suddenly realizing. That's my of all, room. The, of, all, of all the windows, <laughs> it has to be, and it turns out obviously it's his. He works yeah. out because he, because well, he's, he's got a double got, room. Yeah, hasn't he? and it's a, he's right at the front of the hotel, yeah, and, it's, well, and it's scary. and it's a very very big window, isn't it? It's yeah. kind of a feature is made in the story of how big and exposed the window is, and that it looks out onto the sea. Mm. Um, so you, you know it is onto that kind of bleak um, yeah, view of the beach. So yeah, and then they investigate, don't they? And he, they try to get to the bottom of it. Well, who's had a key to the room? Um, you know, as the maid been in changing the sheet, changing the bedding, and I think yeah. is that when they get is that when he gets asked which bed he's sleeping in because they're in both the story, yeah. yeah in the film they do talk they, about the bedding, don't they? They, they do. do. Yeah. So there's another shot of him in bed listening to the the wind whistling, and there's a great kind of zoom from from the spur bed. It kind of zooms across the room, this long, slow yeah kind of close up on his face, um, and then he's, you hear the whole, you know, who is this, who is coming? And then you hear the sound of sheets being tussled. Yeah. And that is just like, and it's such a soft, it's just brilliant. And then he, and then he actually gets to sleep, doesn't he? He has that, that weird dream sequence. Yeah. And you, you mentioned at the start, start Chris, about sound. Sound mm. that's that's noise. More important. Yeah. 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 Obviously no music, but there's the, it's like a growling which yeah. comes to a crescendo before a sudden stop and it yeah. keeps yeah. repeating and repeating. Yeah. It's incredible yeah. use of sound. Yeah. yeah. And his cry as well, oh. I think, is, is yeah. it's sort of like, it's very sudden, isn't it? Like, yeah. and, yeah. then, and then it just, no, no, yeah. no screams, no kind of, you know, classic kind of horror. It's, yeah, you're right. It, it's more powerful, actually, because it's more of a guttural fear response, I, yeah. I think. Yeah. It's what you do when somebody's made you jump. Almost, yeah, isn't it? it is. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's. But that that, that noise during the, the scene with the, the <laughs> it's a, a, basically a piece of wood, isn't it? With with like a, something like tatty sheets being dragged across the beach, and that like it's like it's like the sound of a growl slowed down, and kind of, it's oh. just this horrible. Every time I hear it, it's so yeah. unsettling. And then, like I say, when the dream ends, you get that, that horrible yell. But yeah, and then in the morning when he goes to, the, he's on his way down, isn't he? For bre he has breakfast, and then he's asked the maid, ask him, you know, should we should we make your bed? You know, which bed are you sleeping in? Mm. Looks like both have been slept in. So he's sharing the room now, isn't he? It's this suggestion yes. that he's not the only one in there for sure. Mm. Then he goes and has a bath, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> He gets a bath drawn for him, it's which is delightful. Yeah. And he naps and then, by the fire as well. He has, that's, yeah, yeah, it's, it's very nice. It's every time he kind of falls asleep or drifts off or stops yeah. thinking that this spirit, whatever it is, gets in. Mm. Whenever he stops... To when nap. his guard is down almost, isn't yeah. it? When he's, yeah. he's mo as you say, most vulnerable, most relaxed. He does what I would have done, which is, I'm not going to spend any time in that room... <laughs> If I have to, <laughs> so after dinner he gets his book and sits by the fire and, and yeah. reads and ends up reading the book, reading the chapter on spiritualism, which is obviously um, yeah. 
yeah, gets him thinking. Um, but yeah, and then obviously it sort of, sort of drifts off by the fire. But I would, if I was there, I'd, I'd be, I wouldn't be sleeping in that. Yeah, not yeah. after those. I'd be hanging around people for as long as possible, <laughs> <laughs> keeping the staff up with drinks. And no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, one more drink, please. I'm not going up there. <laughs> But yeah, and then and then obviously you have the the the, the, the sort of uh, the night of of, of, sort of terror, so to speak. But mm. um, it's interesting because on on after the incident in the story, uh, where the colonel obviously he's getting a bit like something's going on because they have a discussion about um, about belief uh, in the supernatural, and the colonel basically says that he's he re- references something to do with the Old Testament. So obviously he, the colonel is more open to supernatural. The colonel goes very quiet during dinner and doesn't really talk that much to him. And then he says to him, as, when he finished dinner, he, the colonel says to, to Parkin, you know where I am if you want me during the night. He's <laughs> <laughs> just like, if someone said that to him, I'd be like, what, what? <laughs> you know, clearly he knows that, he, that, that either something's going to happen or knows that... that He's disturbed. Well, he's, something's gone amiss because by this point, the colonel has witnessed the little boy yeah, seeing the figure in, in the his, window in the, in the room. The room has been the fact that the, 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 the bed that's not been slept in is is disturbed. Mm. So he's um, and and being, as you say, more open to um, to things he's that he doesn't the, understand, he can't explain. He's you know. provoking these ideas, isn't he, and sort of trying to get them, extract them from him. Yeah. And without the colonel, perhaps. None of this would have happened in some ways. He well, he does knows. bring up, doesn't he? Yeah, he asks, yeah. believes in ghosts. Just uh, uh, in the book, is what? their relationship a lot more expanded? It's, on it, the colonel doesn't bring up in the book. The conversation about belief in ghosts happens at the college, doesn't it? Yes. Before, before yeah. Parker goes, yeah. that doesn't happen. I think it doesn't. Yeah, the colonel, he and the colonel talk much more about golf in the book, mm. don't they? And it's only really on that last, it's only on that last day where right. the, the, the little boy has seen the figure in the window that the colonel is yeah. then concerned, really drawn into the supernatural side of it, yeah. I think. Yeah. And he, he, I think he's also, he, he, the colonel is also religious because he does talk about, he complains about the um, the local vicar saying there's going to be, um, on Friday, it's going to be this sort of service to do with St Thomas or something. He goes... I suspect he was a papist, you know, <laughs> or potentially a Jesuit, you know, kind of like obviously yeah. he's much more acutely aware of, you know, obviously within kind of religion that, that mm. there are more kind of the supernatural kind of things. Well, I think you have to have some belief in the supernatural, mm. don't you, to have a to have, to have a religious faith. Mm. You have to believe there are yeah. more. There's more yeah. to the to there the world than we can just explain uh, through, you know. Yeah. Well, that's the whole what thing. What we see with our eyes. Know, there's, there's only so much you can explain, isn't there? Yeah. So when he comes to, to, to the the story, the final night in the story, he the, the, it's, it's like a full bright moon, and there's no blinds. So he uses this like makeshift, uses an umbrella and a stick to hold it up, make a screen to so he's not blind, you know, not disturbed by the the, the bright moon. And then he goes to sleep. Um, and then obviously, he's, he's, what wakes him up is this screen this makeshift screen collapsing so that the umbrella falls to the floor, the stick falls to the floor, that's what wakes him up. Um, but what kind of happens is, is, is I suppose in, in, in the story, the, and I don't know if this is to do with like a technical thing or it's just really down to choice, is that obviously the bedsheet, the, the, you know, there's more of that 
it's more animated in the story than it is in the, in the yeah series. in the story it's described it's very it's, it's, it's frightening it, yeah the crumpled really? linen kind of makes mm. a face and it darts around it goes after him with, like with frightening speed and it, and and it, and it follows the sound that he makes yeah. in it yeah so it darts from side to side of the room looking for him and it, that is really frightening it's, that is horrible. That is really frightening and obviously they couldn't achieve that with no, the, no, no. in the 60s with, but I think it's really effective with in the, the series in, in the, yeah oh yeah it is yeah but but they couldn't have done no, what have was had, described in the book I don't like think covered in sheets yeah <laughs> you know, kind of moving around it is like a, yeah. an amazing figure isn't it it's, well it's not the fact that it's not a figure is so interesting yeah. but it is material and not a, a you know a, a dust sheet the usual ghost idea of you know a sheet over you but mm. this idea that fabric can take on a personality and can move around and that's that, like when I saw it as a child not as a child you know however old I was 12 like that was a totally new concept that fabric could move in an eerie way. Yes. Mm. Really original because you think, oh, it's a ghost story. Therefore, he'll see, yeah, a person, human figure. Mm. You know, yeah, you know, that's like opaque. You know, you, mm. but but the the sound of the rustle of the of the sheets, and then the kind of there's a sigh as well. There's like a, and then yeah. it rustles more, and then obviously you see it lift up. And the way that that Michael Horn sits and the the expression on his yeah. face of utter disbelief yeah he can't process it can he yeah it's a while before we see it we see his reaction yeah. for a while yeah. yeah it's it's just it is one of it is the best depictions of, of sheer terror yeah i think i've ever seen because that, that is that's how that's again that's how i would react when we go to start to go, oh no <laughs> you know, I, I, can't, I cannot believe what I am. Yeah. Honest, I cannot believe what I'm seeing. Yeah. I don't he know like how. gets out of his bed, but with no kind of direction. He's like, yeah. Yeah. doesn't know where to go, doesn't know whether to go towards yeah. it or leave the room. Just like, no idea how to react, does he? Yeah. And regresses to that like childlike. Oh, it's awful. Yeah. Film. And, the and then again, someone comes in and it's like, it's like, yeah. again, a care home. It's like someone coming yeah. in to yeah. someone who needs there. care. Yeah. yeah. So in the story, yeah, it's much more animated and kind of dark. And it gets, he's trying to go to the door and it's in his way. Yeah. It oh. does stumble around. So he thinks that the only way I can get out is through the window. So he starts to back up to the window. And that's when the colonel arrives, opens the door and sees two figures and steps forward. Really? And as, it, as, that, as that happens, the The, the, the wind is, vacates it, the, yeah, it the drop, sheets. Yeah, the sheet drops. drops to the ground. Yeah. And then he... Um, he basically gets parking back into bed and he sleeps in the spur bed. It's a braver man than me. <laughs> yeah. Using a rug as, uh, right. as, as to keep him warm. But again, the, the, it, that it's much more... It's it's more menacing, I think, in the book as well because it is there is a sense of it forcing parking toward the window. Yeah. Mm. It, it it is more it is more frightening, isn't it? And and in the, and also in the story, he's in the written story, he's had the, he's had the visions of. Somebody else running from the figure, hasn't he? Yeah, on it's the not beach, him, is it? he he sees in his dreams or in his visions these uh, somebody running away and this figure, this darting terrifyingly fast, that kind of gaining on him. him. I suppose if he was young in the book, you can have this bit more of a face-off. Yeah, they're a bit more yeah. athletic both of them, but yeah, yeah, with with him being a, an elderly intellectual in this. He's very limited in how he can respond, isn't he? You can't yeah. go anywhere with much speed. How old do you think he is? 
I don't think he's as old as we're making him out to be. You're right, you're right. I think he's probably only in his 50s. Yeah, yeah. that's a good point. I mean, obviously, I know that was older in the in the early sixties. In your fifties, was older than it is now. Yeah, it's not so much, I suppose, but it's how he looks, isn't it? it must, it's his behaviour. It's like he's... it's his behaviour. Yes, yeah. he's very, very set in his ways. He's been on his own Funny a long time, time, and he likes things how he likes them. You just get the impression that he's been in his own company yeah. for a long, long time, don't you? And he's yeah, like likes things as he as he likes them. Likes his world very ordered. Yeah, and you and get that all the sense. Turns it all on its head. When he arrives, he puts his books down and yeah. wants it. He's particular. Doesn't want his tomatoes. You know, yes, uh, yeah, and the, 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 I know what you, you, I know what you mean that there is a childlike kind of petulance to, to that, but also it is just that he's just not used to not getting what he wants because he does everything he does everything he wants to, and I think you know if you've been you know all that time un, you know potentially un, unmarried or you know you, you you've ne- you've never had to bend to anybody else's will have you or kind no. of compromise yeah. Mm. um yeah definitely mm. and, it, and 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 i think that with with this it just sort of it just sort of just ends doesn't it with it, there's a freeze frame of, of him his face going there oh no oh, oh no oh, oh no oh, it's oh, quite no. a quick climax really yeah in the story um the following day his friend, who was threatening to, to, to ruin his holiday, turns up, and the three of them spend the day in his room. And obviously, this is where they must be discussing it and trying to like figure out what had happened and that kind of thing. And then the colonel is seen leaving the, the the hotel with something in his hand, and obviously he throws the whistle into the sea. And then there's uh, some smoke that comes from the back of the hotel, which I suspect is that they basically they burnt the bedsheet. Yeah, they burnt be, the bedsheet. Yeah. Be on the, Safe oh, side, right. you know. Um, but yeah, they obviously they speculate what was going to happen. And the, the Colonel, again, like I mentioned before, is, is there's two options really that, that you know, this, this thing was either forcing him to fall out the window because obviously he was backing up to the window, or it was never really going to harm him in the first place and just going to, it was just there to absolutely frighten him. Um, and then obviously, you know, and it's, it's quite strange because the Colonel met, he says, he he remembers something not dissimilar happening in India, along those lines. Yeah. So this cat, like, mm. yeah. Obviously, he's, he's a man of the world. Man of the world, you know, yeah. and, and, and he's understands, you know, like say local legends and folklore from different kind of um, yeah. communities and things like that. Um, but then, and then it just ends with saying that uh, his nerves were, had suffered, you know, like seeing a scarecrow in a field on a winter afternoon. Uh, cost him more than one sleepless night. Yeah. Like, I bet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah every time. Yeah. <laughs> every time you see a figure, I'd be, yeah, I'd be running for the hills. I have a fellow with
Oh no. I think I'll Oh no. I I'll um Oh no. I'll uh just Oh no. Oh no. Oh no. Final thoughts on well, the... it, yeah, it makes me wonder though, like if, if for me and this, like I say, this is all based on what I've seen in the film, not the book, but it seems very personal to park in this. If if perhaps the colonel were to un have unearthed this whistle and blown it, do you think he would have suffered in the same way? I don't, I think it's is it to me. It seems to be all of Parkin's making. It's his creation. I can't imagine that this this figure or this, these bedsheets is just ready to haunt anyone that disturbs it, in my opinion. Yeah. It feels like this is a perfect match for Parkin because it's of his own making. It's challenged him in all the ways that would challenge him. Yeah. It wouldn't, it wouldn't scare Colonel, it wouldn't mess with him as much because he's not overthinking. Mm. But would, would, would whatever it was... Adapt. Choose a different form. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, yeah, you yeah. Know, kind yeah. of choose his fears. Yes. High on that. Yeah. Um, which is so scary. Mm. But then, equally, the Colonel wouldn't have taken a whistle out of a grave <laughs> <laughs> and blown it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A warning to the queue. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, for me, this is, I would put it, even though it's not a feature film, I would. it would be in my top 10. Favorite things, I, I absolutely favorite of all favorite, genres. Of all genres, oh. I think it is a perfect the it, the balance of economy in terms of the storytelling, the 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 way that, <clears throat> that he's able to sort of make you feel kind of um, just unsettled and uneasy over very mundane things like watching someone run a bath or you know just someone having their picnic by the you know the seaside. Those things, I, I think, it just works brilliantly. And, it, and it, like I say, it touches a, a raw nerve with, with the, the stuff that does worry me. That, that, you know, not being able to think my way out of something and, and having to accept it for what it is and not be, you know. You don't want to embrace the mystery. What the story, what Miller turned was more explicit was that the idea that he was, he was a bit of a, you know, well, he talks about it, doesn't he, in the only about, you know, um, intellectual pride, that he was so kind of, I, I know better than everyone else, I'm well-read, mm. I've seen everything. Well, mm. that's obviously not the case because what happens over the course of these few days mm. completely turns his sort of life, everything he I believes I think his understanding away. of how the world yes, works completely is shaken, yes. isn't yes. it? Yes. And I can imagine that that would yes. have a, a, a severe effect on him. Where do you go from that if you're if your world understanding is shattered by mm. an event, what's mm. left? If your life is academia and the, the rational, physical world, and you see something that is neither of those, where do you go with that? Mm. <laughs> you know, that is... I think that's where you're absolutely right, Harry, that, 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 that the character, it's the perfect uh, foil, if you will, mm. for this character, isn't it? Because he is so pleased with his understanding of the world and so certain in his um in how right he is if you will yeah so sure of himself and uh that that 
as you said, Harry, if it had happened to the Colonel, I mean, the Colonel perhaps wouldn't have been so daft as to grave Rob, but um, but had it happened to him, it wouldn't have had the same impact, would it? Because the Colonel isn't so sure of yeah. of his understanding of the world, I think. And it's kind of questioning that certainty, that, arro- that arrogance yeah. to think, you know, where people, people think that they've got it all figured out. And M.R. James really likes to poke holes in characters <laughs> who really think they've got it all worked yeah, out. Yeah, nice to yeah. people down a peg or two. Yeah. Um, yeah, particularly fusty academics. Yeah. <laughs> I think that is what interested me. Like, like you said, Chris, when you when you first watch it, and there's that narration at the start, which obviously in itself is interesting because it makes you think it's a little bit like a documentary, a little bit in some way. But then the words that come from it, in terms of, um, I wrote it down: a peculiar atmosphere of cranky scholarship. Even that phrase, you know, <laughs> is fascinating. But then it says perhaps his darkest story. And like watching this as a young lad, his darkest story of solitude and danger and how a ma- one man's reason can be overthrown, or a man's reason, sorry, can be overthrown. Mm. It's a completely new threat that yeah. I've never seen or experienced before. It's not someone that's going to come and stab you. It's not someone that's yeah. going to set the house on fire or anything like that. It's It gets the absolute core of you as a person and completely turns everything you rest and rely on upside down so that you yeah. literally have nothing left isn't it he's based his whole life mm. on mm. thinking he understands things and being able to express how he understands them and articulate how he understands them but it serves him it's, it does him no good in this situation where he's reduced to a baby pretty much yeah. by the end mm. um, he has no way of explaining it away no way of physically coping and in some ways, in that just that end scene, he's stripped of his whole life. Yeah. Everything that he's given his life to is undone by a moving blanket. <laughs> yeah. And even though that sounds funny and, uh, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's just you're the right. power of that. Yeah, yeah. and I think, yeah. I, think, I think that's why some people will see it and say, well, what, what was that about? It wasn't scary. Mm. But it's not about the scare, it's about what, it happened, what happens to him. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's it's it's, and I think some people, if you don't quite, you know, and horror is so like comedy, so subjective, isn't it? It's just yeah. you know, what scares you doesn't scare someone else, and mm. what you find funny doesn't someone else doesn't find funny. But I think, yeah, if you miss that, it's just forty minutes of some bloke mumbling, mumbling, and wandering <laughs> yeah. around the seaside, you know. So, but yeah, I think it's an astonishing piece of film. I think, you know, it does strike, though, with the whole thing of the horror of, like, Alzheimer's and, yeah. you know, as you get older, forgetting things. And I think it's such a sad reality of life that as you get older, you become vulnerable in that way. And his mind mm. being vulnerable so much so that it can erase memories and it can erase everything you've stood for all your life. It's really sad to see all that, that way that... As you come, as you get older, you can be attacked from within. It's, it's scary. Yeah. You become a shell. You, you're, yeah. just a, you're now just a body. You, you know, yeah. You're not yeah. the person that you, which you know, which is an excellent segue. segue the, I was going to say, the, uh, yeah, yes. <laughs> obviously, in the in the in the, I think it's 2010, John Hurt version. Yeah. Is is about that, but I, for me, it sort of missed the point because. 
if that was the case, why isn't this about it's his wife that is suffering from Alzheimer's, isn't it? Or, yeah, you know, yes. has some sort dementia, of dementia. Yeah. And he's and he's kind of a bit tortured by guilt, the fact that he's put her yeah. in a home. Yeah, yeah. Which I think is is, is an interesting idea. I, I, I think as a adaptation of the story, I'm not a fan of. There are moments that I think work really well, um, mm. but I think it, it just, yeah, I, I don't think he's. It just really shouldn't have been a. It's yeah. I, I, I hadn't. I think for me, you know, it's interesting you say that, Harry, about you know that you may may make the link with, um, you know, aging, particularly in dementia and vulnerability. Because I guess for me, like you know, I, I read the I read the short story first a num- quite a number of times before I saw mm. the Jonathan Miller, um, you know, dramatization. And to me, I don't think. I get, you know, he's a young man in the in the in the short story, so obviously it's very, very different anyway. And I, and I, I perhaps to me he doesn't seem as vulnerable as he does to you guys in the in the sixties one. And it, clearly there is a vulnerability there, mm. but to me he's, you know, he's a chap, a fairly healthy chap in his fifties. He's gone yeah. for a jolly holiday, yes. you know. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I guess I don't. I, I've never seen him as a... He, well, he has vulnerability, but I've never seen him as a particularly vulnerable character. So it's really interesting to me that you see him in that way. And I wonder if it's because yep. you first watched it when you were so young, and so he Maybe seemed ancient to you as a, really young, yeah. as a really young lad, whereas I was in my 20s when I saw it for the first time. Mm. Um, and to me, it doesn't seem... Shows how how interesting it is that you know how you can watch something or read something at a certain point in, in your life and how that understanding of it sticks. That's mm. and like I've said, I've not read the book and you know uh, that gives me a different viewpoint to you guys. So I do see him like that as a a man who's retiring, who's it does feel like going to the sea for some to slow down, mm. um, and then. The the new adaptation seems to be an adaptation of the sixty eight yeah. Uh, yeah dramatization rather than obviously I don't know the book but it seems like it's an adaptation of the TV adaptation rather than an adaptation of the book it's, yeah. it's like the three of them evolve from the book to the sixty eight version and then from the sixty eight version to the two thousand ten was it oh, I don't know yeah in that adaptation I think John Hurt is just fantastic. Uh, I think he's he's very good at, you know, the, there is a sort of stillness and a, a, a and an emptiness to it. You know, obviously he's off season. He's in terms, you know, yeah. there's a revelation that he's the only guest in the hotel. Yeah, it's it's the kind of the nah. opposite of the hotel, isn't it? Yeah. It's like it's like the opposite. It's yeah. not a welcoming. You know, the only ones staying here. Hotel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and, and 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 I just don't. Some of the choices I don't understand the fact that it's a ring and not a whistle. You know that 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 is that bring you know that mm. has the inscription on it. It was just those kind of choices. I thought, not entirely sure. It f- feels that it's about like almost like survivor's guilt. You know, he's he's guilty that he's able to live yeah. his yeah. life. Yeah. But it seems Which I think is a really interesting idea. Yeah. Really interesting idea. But it seems uh, unnecessarily cruel to him. John Hurt is seen as a loving husband who has done everything for his wife, and now is at a stage in his life where. There's no point him looking after her because she doesn't she doesn't really see him. Mm. So then, for him to be go through this traumatic experience seems unnecessary because it's not like no. actually he was a terrible husband and this is her getting revenge. 
he's always portrayed that he's a very loving husband who's always looked after her. Yeah. And he's just yeah. now going on respite. You know, he's now gets yeah. a week away. But maybe he... it's that's it's hit, it's eating away at him because he loves her so much and has cared all his life for her. The guilt is eating away at him unfairly, unjustly. Yeah, yeah. And I think I, I, it just it just doesn't hit the spot for me. But I, again, I think there's you know hurts great. I think there's some great un, unsettling scenes like the, the great bit where he puts the, the pillar at the, beneath the the door, oh, and that he gets pulled yeah. underneath the door. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I found it really scary in parts. I think really it's a much more traditional. It's more. I don't want to say predictably, you know, a horror short, but it does. Mm. It's not. It's it, it's much more kind of obvious in, 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 yeah. Its, yeah, in its creepiness, isn't it? Yeah. Like you know, the, like you say, yeah, the pillow, just you know, the hands coming underneath. You know, the, yeah. You know, the, the, yeah. The massive empty hotel where it, that is completely alone in. Yeah. But I do think the word the word like there were moments anywhere I was really really scared. Which is, you know, a, a feat in itself for uh, the time that it was made in, and I think, mm. I think it was perhaps some of the choices you write might not be um, that need to explain some of the choices, especially if they've made certain changes like from whistle to a ring. Mm. But there were certain atmospheric choices that they made that yeah. were really unsettling and made me feel quite ill, like the 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 stuff in the care homes and the stillness of it and. Like you say, the empty shell kind of uh, idea makes it—it it was horrible. Thinking about it now makes me feel really, really horrible inside. It—it it got to me. It got to me. Really? Honestly, I—I—I I, uh, I found it really, really scary and unsettling in a in a slightly different way to the original. Yeah, I think perhaps I would have enjoyed it more had it just been an original. Had it not been yes. called this, yeah, that might make more sense. Because I think it. it you know, you, you you tune into Whistling and I'll Come expecting it to feel like an M.R. James mm. to to a point, you know, and I love M.R. James. You know, I do love, I love his ghost stories and, and I found it disappointing because mm. because I wanted M.R. James and didn't get M.R. James. And I think yeah. if it had maybe been not, not called, because it, it, yeah. even the title doesn't really make sense, does it? In the, I think he says it to her, doesn't he? He sings, he, said, the, he sings the, the, the with Robbie Burns poem, yeah. which is where he gets his title from. He yeah, that to yeah. Her. But that's the only that's link her, yeah. to to the wind or to. Yeah. And also, it's again, it sort of, it's much more. You know, the fact that that he dies, and then there's that the strange kind of scene where she sort of her body disappears from the nursing home at the end. It just seems. Yeah, that's. Too many ideas that don't quite go together. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. I agree with that. If it wasn't based on M.R. James, and it, you know, there's some really interesting ideas. And, and I think you're it? right, Harry. It isn't based on the M.R. James show. It's based on the 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 previous yeah. adaptation of the M.R. Yeah, James. Yeah, that, That's isn't where it? it takes its inspiration from. And it's not even really based on that. It's in sort of inspired by, isn't yeah. it? Kind of quite quite loosely, really. Yeah. Um, it feels like it might be like one of us. One one of us three thinks of a ghost story, you know, one evening, and you write it, and it's really good, and you realise, oh, it's a bit inspired by one of my favourite things. It's a bit inspired by Whistler yeah. Pussy. Yeah, Like, yeah. OK, I better give it credit and say that it's an adaptation. Yeah. Maybe it's that's maybe that's the way around maybe. that it's happened. Yeah, yeah, maybe. 
But yeah, I was disappointed with it. But maybe I need to revisit it with a more open. Well, not. Ex- I think so much, so much, so often when you watch something, it's all to do with your anticipation, isn't it, and what you're expecting. Yeah. And I think if you're expecting something that's to be a certain thing, and it isn't, you can't help but feel. A sense Speaking of, of things, like disappointment. Chris said it was in his top ten things. The sixty-eight version, top ten things. Is oh, it in your wow. top ten things, Jess? <laughs> the sixty-eight version. Um, yeah. I, I, and does that my... include like fell running, uh, marriage, <laughs> uh, <laughs> no. fatherhood? No, I, I, yeah. I, I genuinely, I, 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 no. I mean, as in the uh, the story's great, and uh, but the the, the 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 film itself, it, it, I would put in my, in my in my top ten films that I would put in, you know, <laughs> along with feature length films that are, you know that I, I love. I just there's just it, for me, it, it really speaks to me. I think it's just really well done. Um, but yeah, it, for, for, it's a you know it's a highlight for me. Too. Top ten films. Yeah. Yes, even though it's forty minutes long. Yeah, yeah I can perfectly understand. Yeah. That, so definitely. Yeah. It just, just what it manages to accomplish is amazing in forty minutes, mm. and for it to be slow and the mood, it's everything that appeals to me. Because for every second that you're watching, you're thinking, you, you don't you don't switch off from it, even though there's you're not you don't have to be switched on. There's nothing that you need to be tuned into, really. Yeah. But you're completely tuned into every detail in the in mm. the shot, mm. um, and it's, it's genius. And it is, I think, the best, the best, and and most true representation of that that fit. You know, when you if you've had a really bad dream and you wake up and you, mm. you cry out, I, I, I've never seen that depicted so well on film. <laughs> yeah. That kind of absolutely like that gut, that yeah. gut response to fear, is just so perfectly captured um, in that film. And I, and I've never seen it done. No, Never seen like. happen to an old person. It's always the children or the single mothers who get attacked mm. in these, you know, these scary stories, isn't it? Or mm. the, you know, it's never an old man. Mm. Yeah. And it's always, it, and it's always, you don't, we don't show people. It's not very attractive, is it, seeing somebody so frightened and vulnerable? Mm. And you don't, we don't, you know, in horror films, you know, they often want people to still look sexy while they're terrified. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. There's, yeah. there's that yeah. kind of. You know, and and so you you see people kind of I don't know screaming very dramatically and that that sort of thing, but you don't really. But yeah, see and, people portrayed it in such a and, vulnerable way. Yeah, and let me say that, that in the, in those it's it's for your physical safety that they're, they're scared, but in this this is more of a mental attack. You know, it's not oh that thing might hurt me. It's. I can't. I don't know. I, don't, I, can't, I can't process this. I can't do it. But he is frightened. He, yeah, he, he would be frightened, yeah, wouldn't you? It is frightening for you. Frightened for your safety. For him, but... The after effects is 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 actually is is more frightening, you mm. know, than the actual initial scare of seeing something. Yeah, it's it's almost, it's almost. You'd think that he'd go on to live a private life, not speaking to anyone. He's lost all confidence. That's how you picture his life mm. afterwards, isn't it? It's like a mm. seminal moment in his life where. Everything he's ever thought and now changes. It's changed his life. Mm. I think, uh, and 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 uh, yeah, say like Michael Horden's just perfect. He's you know charming, and you know, it, uh, but but you know, there's a bit of twinkle 
to be a part of. And it's a weird thing, isn't it? Because Christmas time is, you'd think it wouldn't... Now, when you look at traditionally, like, you know, like, you know it, it's, it's a time of reflecting, isn't it? The year that's gone, but also, you know, the, the tradition of, like, you know, like Dickens, like, mm, is those stories, you know? And yeah. yeah. It came about because, um, obviously, the, you know, people, a lot more people were, were Christians. And the, and and it was believed that you know like, like, similar to Halloween that that the night the the reason Christmas that um, ghost stories were told on Christmas Eve was because it was believed that that the birth of Christ right. was such a, a monumental sort of spiritual victory that the night before spirits of the dead would be unsettled by it so that was why Christmas Eve was a time amazing similar I'll say similar to Halloween yeah yeah that is that was why it was seen as a time. For telling, for telling ghost stories. So I, I really like that tradition, being part of that tradition. It's fun. What? <laughs> 